Hey there, entrepreneurs. Before we jump in with today's episode, just a quick announcement. Starting with next week's episode, which if you can't even believe it, it's going to be May. Um, oh goodness, all I hear is Justin Timberlake in that, in that one line. But anyways, um, I am kicking off a money mindset month. So what does that mean for you? All of my guests in the month of May are tied somehow to helping you generate revenue, whether it's getting out of your own way or tips to build wealth or, you know, just right down to the fundamentals of budgeting. We have so many great guests coming in this month, so you will not want to miss it. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Pamela Barty. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome. Welcome to today's episode. Super psyched, like really, really psyched to have this conversation. Um, This guest is fantastic. She is a rock star. She's brilliant. And let me just tell you a little bit more about her. Pamela Barty is our guest today, and she is a nine, nine, (laughs) nine figure real estate entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the Underdog Podcast, which, by the way, is dedicated to empowering the underdog in you. Once, wait, just, just wait, folks. Wait till you hear this girl's story because it's pretty freaking phenomenal. So, you know what, Pamela, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. What a what an introduction. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here. Such a pleasure. I always joke around with people. I'm like, this is either gonna be real awkward or we're gonna get through it, folks. Like the introduction. I don't, I block out the Zoom screen. I record this on Zoom for those of you listening. So I don't look at the guests while I'm reading their stuff because so people get really uncomfortable. But Anyways, um, tell us about your journey, girl. You were like, you owned massive things before age of 21, like all sorts of stuff. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hand the mic over to you and you're just gonna tell us all the good stuff. (laughs) You got it, girl. So I guess I'll start with uh, from the very beginning. So basically I was born in Tirana, Albania, which for those of you who don't know where Albania is, it's literally right above Greece. And right neck, like right across from the Italian, the end of the Italian boot. So like, it's basically right in Europe, Italy area over there. Um, So I was born there, we moved to Rome, Italy when I was about six months old, because uh, Albania at that time, when I was born, it was the, um, the communism collapse, if you will. And so, but there's still like the government was still, everything was a mess over there. So my parents wanted me to, didn't want me to grow up in that. So like, and it was the kind of environment where it was literally like, there'd be like tanks, military tanks outside, like, (laughs) like after dark, like if you looked in the window, like they would shoot, like, that's the kind of dictatorship we were, we were under. So my parents fled to Rome. Um, and so we, I lived in Rome until I was about five years old. Um, and then, you know, my little brother 
was born. Um, before that, my grandmother put my parents' names in the visa lottery, basically. And so what that means is you get to come, you have two years to stay or go in the United States. It's like the legal way of coming here. So, but it's the best opportunity to come here legally. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't know that their names got chosen because my grandmother put their names in. And the day that my little brother was born, my grandmother walks into the hospital and it's like, congratulations on your baby boy. By the way, you also got chosen to go to the United States of America. You won the lottery. Imagine like birthing a child and no. then that is what happens. Like no. <laughs> that was my mom. My mom said to me, she's like, I looked at your grandmother and I was like, are you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. Like, I just birthed a child. A B we don't speak English. C none of our family was there. Everybody was in Europe at this time. So it's not like we had family here and we were able to like stay with that. Like, no, we just had family friends. Like that was it. That's crazy. Yeah. And- and, and no job security, no money saved up too, was another thing. Like they, my parents had like nothing. And my dad was like, we're doing it. And my mom was like, like they had this, like, I didn't know, but this before, but they had a huge fight and, you know, before. And my dad was like, nope, this is the land of opportunity. We're not going to get better than the United States. So my dad came here, worked weird jobs because I mean, he didn't speak English. So he found himself, uh, one of his jobs was in the restaurant world. Um, and so he built a strong relationship with the owner of that restaurant. And so that being said, he, his mentor became like a very close friend to him. And he was like, Soko, you know, the way that you build wealth in the United States of America is one of two ways. A, you own your own business. B, you own real estate. And he's like, I know you just came here, so you don't have credit history, but he's like, you know, you should buy a business. I'm going to give you a down payment to go out and buy a business. So he did. And so after that, we, uh, my dad bought a restaurant. I started working there when I was 10 years old. Um, and so when I was, by the time I was 18 years old, I was basically running the show Damn. at his, at his restaurant. Yeah. A few years later, by the time I was 21, I had two of my own restaurants plus his restaurant. And then shortly after that, I hired a coach and got into real estate development because I wanted to diversify revenue streams. And then, you know, now in the last seven, eight years, it's been, uh, <laughs> was it the nine figures i've sold developed or acquired over 100 million in real estate assets in and around the boston market yeah um tell people how old you are right now 29 yeah i can tell you (laughs) what i was doing when i was 29 probably in a bar maybe it was near your construction sites i don't really know (laughs) it's crazy because i like i'm just like what you know i like to say it's been 20 years in the making because i started when i was 10 so i like you know yeah of course it has. <laughs> but it's just like crazy people are like what how old are you like you're not even 30 and i'm like no and it's crazy because they're like you've been in forbes and in time magazine and you're not even 30 years old yet like what the hell and i'm like you're like i don't know what do you want me to do about it like i'm definitely not going to apologize for it i'm going to tell you that damn straightforward (laughs) but you know like I just I love the fact I wasn't aware of the story about your mom I mean I can't even having had two kids I can't even she must have been drugged up that's all I gotta say (laughs) during that to like wrap your head around that and I don't think I like your story because I don't think that people fully understand the leap of faith and the amount of courage it takes for someone to come here not speak the language with their family, with a baby, like that is in a tremendous amount of courage. Right. And no money saved up, yeah. no English, like nothing because they didn't, 
I think if they knew and they put their names in, like they would be more prepared. But my grandmother literally threw their names in and like they had no idea. And then they got chosen. Yeah. It was like, okay, we're going, you know, it's like a once in a yeah. lifetime opportunity. That's what the way my dad saw it. He's like, we're going to make it. We're going to make And you know, like I hear, and I didn't know this until recently. Like my dad would be like, Pam, I used to come home and he's like, you know, I used to work those three jobs and I would, and I would like go in the bathroom. I would just cry because I just didn't know how I was going to make the rent and like all this stuff. And it's like, these are the things like I never saw. I saw my parents that would like, you know, they'd work their ass off. And then, you know, come Sunday, they would take my brother and I out, especially in the summer to like water country and stuff like yeah. that. Like, those are the sacrifices, right? Like yeah. it's serious, you know, it's serious what they've done. But like when people ask me like how I stay so motivated and driven and just like hustle hard, like yeah. all day, it's my parents, especially now that I understand what they sacrificed for me to get here. Like, I'm like, how can I not be successful? <laughs> like exactly with exactly. them putting that on the line, their whole lives and everything they got, you know, and to me, I'm like, of course I got to do it, you know, especially yeah. for them. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you and I are very similar creatures in that way. Not that my parents, they were already here. <laughs> um, but the fact of like, I watched my mom, multiple jobs, house cleaning, waiting tables, Whole nine yards, you know, and it's like, you're exactly right. When you see that level of dedication, when you see someone sacrifice like that for you, it's, it's like a whole different other driver versus, you know, nothing, nothing against folks with the parents who had like the nine to five, very clear cut jobs, but there's something that gets instilled in you when you see that level of hustle. Yes. And hard work. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, I mean, let's, Let's look at like school though. Did you go to, you went to high school? Did all that good stuff? Did you like it? Did you not? Yeah. So I was, so it was weird. I was a wicked shy kid up until like middle school. So I went to public schools until I was in about seventh grade, seventh grade. We moved to Boston where my father's restaurant was because we lived North shore mostly yeah. um, in our first, you know, years of, of living in the U S because that's the only apartment my parents could afford. So um, then we moved to Boston, which was closer to the restaurant like I got sent to private school. Um, so it was like a Catholic school. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Were you not raised? You weren't raised Catholic? No, oh, my, good parents, God. My, my, parents, my parents grew up in communism. They don't know oh. what organized religion is. They like, it's not their fault. They just don't know what to do because they, they weren't allowed to practice religion growing right. up. So right. It was weird. You know, like I'm like going into Catholic schools and then I'm like questioning everything. I'm like asking the priest, you know, cause I'm reading the Bible and taking it like literally like every word by word. And I'm like, so why do you drive a Lexus if the Bible says you're supposed to live like yeah, in poverty? And I got detention. Yeah, of course. Um, so that was my experience in Catholic schools, just very much trying to find myself and understand like, what is the universe? What is religion? What are these things? But it was in those times that I became, started becoming outgoing, like, cause I was so shy. Like I wouldn't speak. Like I used to be bullied as a kid, which people cannot believe. Cause like now I'm just so polar opposite, but I was bullied up until like through sixth grade. And I was just really quiet and really just like in my bubble, in my corner. Then I went to private school where like a lot of people like accepted me. It was a smaller school and like all these. And then that's when I started coming out of my shell, yeah. you know, became class president doing all these things. So those are like my middle school years. And then my high school years were pretty much very similar. Catholic school, went to school in Newton. Um, co-ed it was awesome I was the prom queen I dated the quarterback like I had the perfect life <laughs> yeah well and then you know I get almost a, and then I and then my senior year I get dumped um by by my ex or whatever yeah. and then jump into 
you know, jump into my senior year. Um, and it's like, I get, ex- I get accepted on full scholarship to the one school that he attends. Of course you do. College. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So <laughs> that was my life in a nutshell. So what did you end up doing? Did you go to college or not go to college? What, what happened with that? I did. I did. But like, it was ironic because I literally got accepted to the school that my four-year ex was attending and I got like full scholarship there and I almost didn't go there. So I went to Stonehill college, um, my undergrad. And then I went to Babson and then Harvard business school for real estate development, like later on down the line. So like my education has played a huge, huge role, I think. And like all the mentors and all the knowledge and everything that I've learned that I've learned throughout my process. But yeah, yeah, that was kind of my trajectory. Like school played a huge thing, but I'm like a school person, right? Then, then there's people like, like my brother who are like, incredible human beings can take things apart and put them back together without like manuals. It's ridiculous. Right. We're watching them once. It's, it's, it's insane how like the learning is so different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so if I'm understanding the timeline correctly, you were in, you were in college when you bought your first restaurants. Mm-hmm. I was senior, senior year of undergrad is when I was working on those and then everything else. Yeah. Babson and, and, um, and Harvard where, while I was running my businesses too. So it was crazy. So in tandem with my businesses, it was school too. But. Well, right. It's kind of, it's kind of nice. Like, especially when you get to like secondary education or, you know, grad school and all that stuff, like you get to put it in play and it's not just like reading it, like, or being in a classroom when you can actually go and put it in play. There's so much value in that. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Totally. So 21 two restaurants. Talk to us about that period in time. I know it's crazy, but talk, talk to us about like, you know, what was your schedule? Like, were you just like, were you full-time student plus like just running a restaurant and opening it and stuff? Psychotic. So (laughs) that's the one word to, to remember it. It was absolutely psychotic. And I, there is no other like nice way to describe it. So like my whole senior year I had spent. um, So the reason how, how I got to two restaurants was uh, by accident was not intentional actually because I yeah that's just insanity but here's what happened so my whole my junior year summer going into senior year like I knew I was going to open my own business and so like I and if you want me to tell you the backstory of how I got into entrepreneurship my aha moment I can tell that too yeah, but my yeah, junior year summer so like my junior year up until my junior year spring semester I had thought that I was going to work in marketing and events and that I was going to work har- corporate when I graduated and then I would own a business down the line like yeah. when I was like 40 or something like that was my plan um did an internship there for the whole semester because I was like you know it's going to be my way to build connections so that by the time you know I graduate senior year I have all the connections in and I'm good marketing and events on a big scale it was one of the most prestigious venues in um, sports and entertainment venues in Boston I'm pretty sure you can figure out where it is because it's really one (laughs) (laughs) right I interned there and like by the end of the semester I walked in you know like the whole time I'm like getting like shunned down during meetings it's like you're an intern don't talk like all this like stupid I was seeing so much bureaucracy in the office and all these things that were giving me red flags the whole time but I was like ignoring them then I walk into my supervisor's office you know, the end of that semester to get my grade, you know, and I've been there. I'm like goody two shoes. I was like there every day I was yeah. hustling. I was like, every time I finished work, I was like, Hey, I want more work. Like all these things. And she's like, um, Pam, thank you very much. You know, for all your work. Um, I'm giving you B minus. And I was like, I was like, I'm just looked at her like dumbfounded. Like, 
well, what do you mean? Like the fuck? I was been busting my ass, but thanks. Right. Yeah. Like, thanks. And she just looked at me and she was like, you know, you were just too ambitious. Oh, would that be said to a man? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, first, first my Scorpio side comes out and I'm like, you know what? I like my rage. Right. Like first I'm like, like inside and I'm like, hold it in Pam. Don't, don't, don't explode. (laughs) And I I walk out of the office and I'm like, you know, I'm like, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You guys are wonderful. Blah, blah. Walk out. And then like, I'm just like filled with rage for like 60 seconds. And then after that comes like this voice in my ear, it's like, Pam, you're meant to do bigger things. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. I remember right before I like, right before, like I walked through the threshold of that office and then I just came, went out and I like, remember calling my mom, like, Hey mom, I'm just letting you know, like, I'm not working for anybody when I graduate. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be something and I'm going to work for myself and I'm going to add value and I'm going to just do what I love. And I'm not sticking by anybody's rule rules. And of course my parents are like freaking out. Cause they're like, you of know, course they are. they're like, wait, college. No, we don't <laughs> like, yep. go into an office, like do the opposite of what we did. But I mean, I just, number one, like I said, that wouldn't, I don't, I don't know any man who's ever been told they're too ambitious. Just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> but also like, why is ambition bad? Like it's because you're not falling in line. Right. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and, and it was like, once she said that, I was like, like this fire, like lit yeah. up in such a way that I can't even like describe. And I'm almost like, so thankful for her for doing that because yeah. had I not done yeah. that, I probably would have just been, you know, probably just would have been working there. And I remember saying when I was like walking out after, before, right before I walked that threshold, I was like, one day I'm going to become a multimillionaire. And like, these people are going to be like, my concierges for whatever I want to do in the stadium. I was like, my company is going to be one of those banners on in the stadiums here. I was like, period. I was like, this is, and that was my drive. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that because a lot of people, and it's important to note that story because a lot of people are like, Pam, Oh, you're going to be an entrepreneur your whole life. Like, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. Not how I was supposed to go down. You know, at least it's not the way that I thought it was going to go down. Right. Right. I mean, and that in some ways is the universe, like saying like, are you sure? <laughs> like, Are you sure you want to do this? Like, like you said, like you did dodge a bullet on that. Cause imagine like, if you weren't, you didn't have that aha moment, what the world would have missed out on, like, and all the stuff that you've built and done and people that you've influenced and stuff like that. So, you know, whoever that woman is, kudos. Thanks. Thanks for the B minus. <laughs> expletive <laughs> right, right right and so like that summer I was like super dedicated I was like you know what I was like I'm gonna figure out what I'm gonna buy you know what I'm gonna start as my first business so there was a vacancy coming up for my father's building the jeweler was actually gonna be moving out yeah. and so I was like dad I'm like I want to start something right next to you I'm like what better way I'm like my parents are right there yeah. I'm like you know what and then that summer I had gone to uh, to a trip to Italy and to Albania and like over there life is a lot slower there's cafes everywhere you yeah. enjoy things much more and I was like you know what I want to create a place like that so that's when I came up with my first concept which was my first like um gelato cafe like a cafe like a yeah. European cafe so yeah. that's what I wanted to start right next to my father so I had that going into my senior year so I was working on that business plan the whole year and basically by the time I graduated it was going to go it was basically going to go under construction yeah then I had um I had a mentor of mine who was like hey Pam we're I'm about to put in a proposal for the state 
to basically take over the, the Esplanade at the hatch shell, you know, where they do July 4th operations. So we're going to get that contract that goes from the museum of science all the way to the mass Ave bridge. And I was like, well, that sounds nice. And you control all of that. Plus you have a brick and mortar. Exactly. So I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. So that started at the same time as, as I was planning my restaurant. So by the time I got to the end of my senior year, right around graduation, the contract was active and my store was under construction. Yeah. So two, two restaurants at once. Yeah. It was wild. And I, and I'll put it to you this way. Like I literally, (laughs) I'll never forget this day, my graduation day. I had, I went to sleep at like five 30 in the morning and my graduation was at 9am. Okay. I got a call at 8 30 AM and I'm in my bed and I wake up and I'm like shaking awake. And I'm like, and, and, you know, everyone's calling me, my classmates are calling me, they're like, Hey Pam, we're, you know, we're lining up right now. Like, where are you? And I look at the time and it is eight 30 in the morning. My graduation is at nine and I live 30 minutes away from college. Yeah. yeah. I literally got up flew. Like when I say, and there was so much traffic because it was graduation. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't hit anybody. I was flying to graduate. And then like, I made it to the top of the hill when everybody was lining up. Cause thankfully like the opening, like um, the commencement speaker was yeah. taking centuries yeah. to speak. They do whatever, or like the, whoever <laughs> the introductory person was. And I was yeah. like, thank God. Cause I jumped in line. And then my classmate, Ray, he was, he was still drunk from the night before. So like, he was like, come on in. So yeah. it was, I, but, but I missed it by minutes walking my graduation because I was like, then that whole week I like hadn't slept. So like to give you an idea, that's what it was like. Yeah. Two restaurants at the time, you know, dealing with, with school and everything. It was, oh my God. What yeah. So I mean, were you, did you have friends at the time that were this driven? Like what was driving you and kind of setting you apart from, cause I know, I know very seldom, I know a very small number of people who were that driven at that point. So were you surrounded by driven people? No, no. Just no, you. I just had this ambition that I, that I had, you know, that I had to be extremely successful to give back to my parents and like, you know, that I wanted to be big and I had all these drivers, you know, and all these things internally that were like, you know, Pam, like you're meant to do big things. So I just kept, I just kept hustling and I just kept going, you know? That yeah. I mean, it. was there ever a time that you thought you wouldn't do it? Like you couldn't? Many times. Oh my God. The roadblocks. I mean, that's like running two restaurants. I mean, that within itself was like, yeah psychotic <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah just, by the time I got my teams down by the time I got the operation stuff down time management stuff it was like yeah. you're running around with your head cut off all the time you know and it was like and then after that like I just felt unfulfilled and then I was like you know and then I'm watching these real estate people these developers pulling up in their Benzes and their Audis and their whatever and they're just like yeah we just went golfing in the middle of the day and I'm like like, what are these people? Doing? I know exactly. <laughs> like, are you part of the mob? I was like, first off, okay. And then, then I found out, okay, it's not dirty money. Okay. So that these are actually real people. <laughs> like these are real people doing. Good thing you checked first though. I applaud you for that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah. especially in Boston. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I was like, you know, I'm like, 
and then I saw my dad and my uncle were doing flips a little bit and I saw my dad investing in them and like they were making stupid returns. And then this is around the time that flipper flop had just come out. It was like 2013 ish, you know? And, and I was like, what the hell are these people doing? I'm like, this is wild. I'm like, they just flip houses. Like, what is that? And then I looked at the model and I just started going to every networking event that I could. Well, I'm at my restaurants. Like I'd be, I'd be working and I'd be like listening. And like, I was like, so all in. And then I decided I'm like, I'm going to hire a coach and I want to get into this world. I want to diversify my revenue streams so that I can have more time and more freedom. Right. Like yeah. that's what I wanted. Cause I'm like, I can, you know, with restaurants, like I, you get pulled and sucked into these yeah, things. Yeah. Employees call out, you're the last line of defense. Like that's it. Yep. So I, you know, I was like, I want to have something, you know, cause all I've known since I was 10 was restaurants. So that was my world. Um, hired a coach, bought my first flip and kind of like took off from there. And I didn't think it was going to be my career. I didn't think it was going to blow up the way it did. I didn't think any of that. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just diversifying my revenue streams and my, and my knowledge and all that. And the way, I think the reason why I was also so driven at that time is because like, I knew I'm like, well, one day I want to get married and have kids. And like, I don't want to be doing working like this when I get to that level. Like, especially in restaurants, it's hard. Like that shit's hard. Like number one, anyone who has never spun up a restaurant or opened a restaurant, like that's like a Herculean event in itself and a Herculean task. Like it's intense. And then, you know, as a parent, you're always on a different shift. You never know what's going. You're missing like kids, like events and stuff like that. And it's hard. So, I mean, kudos to you for having the foresight. Yeah. I mean, my, cause my, in the big portion of that was my father he'd always be like Pam you know every you know he needs oh I would always tell me this when I was growing up it's like Pam every move you make right now affects your future family it affects generations from now he's like be very sensitive with every single movement that you make in this life and he's like and always remember he's like if you lie to me he's like you're only lying to yourself (laughs) you're like are you sure are you really like (laughs) <laughs> like, first off he always found out second yeah, off it's true. so true because I'm like damn like you really do like if you're lying it, it only hurts yourself right at the end of the day so my dad like like basically implemented huge wisdom in me like as I was growing up so like by the time I was 13 years old I like didn't want any guys around me so I'm like I know what you what you're trying to do like exactly I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm too smart. I'm too smart. Like it was like that. Yeah. Cause my dad would, would be that one with the affirmations in my mind to be like, Hey Pam, you know, <laughs> guess what? You're going to be a leader. You're, you're basically going to be the sugar mom. He's like, the guys will need you. You don't need them. He's like, you're going to be financially independent. You're going to be, you know, you're going to have your business. You're going to do what you want. Like he's telling me this. I remember I was like seven years old and I was so confused. I'm like, dad, I'm just trying to watch. Like, <laughs> Can you leave me alone? Like get me yeah. a snack. Uh- <laughs> Exactly. Yes. But like now I'm like so thankful because I'm like that literally implemented a lot of seeds in my brain that I didn't think would play out the way it did, but yeah, like it's wild. Like I I look back on everything and I'm like, it all makes sense. (laughs) And you put the pieces together, right? Yeah, it really, it really does. And I think, you know, for all your parents out there, not to scare the crap out of you, but our subconscious minds are kind of done, done developing by like age eight. So all of those little things that you're putting in your kids' ears, you might want to adjust a couple of things um, because it's true. It's what you're told growing up. If you're told repeatedly, like, stay small, don't do that. You know, that programming is coming forth when you're an adult, you know, versus, I mean, you probably wouldn't have had that light bulb go off 
with that B minus if somebody hadn't told you that it was meant to go off when you were little, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Got, your dad. Kind of want to meet this rock star someday. <laughs> man, you would love him. He's the man. Um, so what kind of, I mean, I'm sure there's like a laundry list, but what, what do you think are like your top challenges you've kind of want to come up against in, in the real estate area of stuff? First off, being a female. Yeah. yeah. Second off, being an immigrant female. You know, people, people look at you and I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is <my laughs> top side. <laughs> they're like oh who's the owner I'm like you're you're looking at her and they're like okay who who's the who's the general contractor where where's he and I'm like okay you're looking at her too <laughs> you know so it's breaking those stereotypes so I think be, being a young immigrant female was a big challenge still is to this day walking on to like people just luckily like I've built the respect with my team and like built such a track record and all of that that like now it's not an issue you know, but like in the beginning, it's like, you're a nobody yeah. and you're, you got to prove yourself, right? Like in many different realms, like your knowledge, your expertise. And like, at the time when I didn't have a track record, your track record, like who do you affiliate with? What makes you, you like, it's easy when you have a track record. It's, oh, I've done that. Like now that I do, but getting there and, and my biggest uh, you know advice to people is like, if you're not where you want to be, you join a team that is where you want to be. Yeah. Cause then eventually you can branch off and do your own thing but the way that I did but that was a huge challenge so you know and then of course just like building that track record just like your first couple of flips and getting through them I mean you learn every day in this business it's construction things can change at the drop of a hat I mean that's just what it is it's fast-paced high pressure very dynamic multiple methods of communication and stuff like that. like it's just a lot the, the job itself is very difficult yeah. Very difficult. I love it and I enjoy it. But for some people, it's like makes their head spin. They're like, well, I don't understand how you do what you do. So I'm like, oh, I'm on the phone with this guy, that guy, da, 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 this. And then that site, this site, like there's a lot of time management and organization that has to happen um, in order for things to go smoothly. So, yeah, just like operations, being a young immigrant female. And then, of course, just like trying to build businesses and trying to live a normal life as like a 20 year old. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I was like, say, yeah. Cause you don't even know who you are really. Like you do on the, on the surface level, but you're still trying to figure things out. You're still trying to go out with your friends. You're still trying to do all those normal, like you said, 20 year old things. But when you're running a company, you have more than just you that you're responsible for. You have other people. Right. Three, and that was three at once, three yeah. companies at once, which was, yeah wild <laughs> crazy. crazy I mean and I but I, but you also strike me as the kind of person who likes that pace and is is going to be like a lifelong learner yes right so I think there's something to be said and especially since you came up in the restaurant industry it's like that is a fast pace it's bred into you you're either built for it or you're not right yep yeah yep. and I always say like honestly to be successful in business you really should have a prerequisite in the restaurant world agreed Agreed. Everything from customer service to, you know, even, even being like the dishwasher in the back, like if you should rotate through every single fucking role in, oh. a, in a restaurant. And then, because I think also the operational aspect of things and the streamlining of process and stuff like that is so valuable. And I even look at like, when I was working with tech teams, I still think back for when I'm working with restaurants and like the steps that we took and the documentation and how you train somebody and all that shit, like that, that goes a long way and people don't realize that. Right. Right. And that's the thing. And it's like, 
I'm like, I wish I could make like a university, like a restaurant university where you're just like training for these things. Cause like, honestly, it is the best teacher. Like it wires your brain differently. It does. Like, and you're just like, you start thinking in problem solving mode. Yes. All the time. And it's like, if you have that as an entrepreneur, if you know how to adapt and problem solve constantly, you will kick ass forever, no matter what industry you're in. Cause I always say like business is a matter of logistics. If you can yes. figure out the logistics of a business, you can figure out how to run the entire business. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. That's it. In an efficient manner. Yes. Right. Like I see so much, like just again, again, I can't believe that this goes right back to restaurants every time. And like, you know, when I go into places and I see businesses and I'm, maybe you're similar is that I'm constantly like, Oh, look at this tweak. Look at this gap. Look at this. Like my brain does not, that does not shut off for me, which comes into play when I'm a coach, but you know, that is part of the restaurant stuff. It is like, you have five tables going all at different stages, all at different, everything. Like you have to know where everything is and be pleasant while doing it, <laughs> which is hard. Right. Totally. Totally. And that's the, that, and that's the thing. And it's like, there's so much, there's so much to be said about that. So I, I'm so grateful for the experience. But it was definitely a major stepping stone that I needed to prepare myself for, for the real estate realm without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Then I ended up selling and leasing the restaurants, you know, after right. I got really deep into real estate, but yeah. Right. And I think from all the personalities you're dealing with too, right? Because I imagine you deal with a range of different personalities, right? And, you know, yeah. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Because I'm sure you do. And I think um, being in the world that you're in, I'm sure that there's all different, all different types. Yes. There's people that you are like, how does this person, like, does this person live in a cave? Like that they speak how to people function? so rudely. Oh, and then there's amazing people, lots of amazing people. And you're dealing with all different types of personalities. And especially I'm dealing with guys all the time, but like, I've always hung out with guys growing up. So they're very like lighthearted. Like they're just, they're straightforward. They're not really into emotion. Like they're very different. And then the females are the more relational and like this, but then there's different breeds of each, each. (laughs) It's a spectrum. (laughs) It's a serious spectrum, but you know, at the end of the day, what it comes down to, and I think this is one of the reasons I've been super successful is it's a matter of compassion and connecting and like really just understanding what the other side is looking for and, and making sure it's people above profits. Cause for me, it's always been like, I care about the relationship first. I want to serve you first, you know, whether, you know, in the development realm, brokerage realm, all the things that I've done. And that has served me like crazy well because people know they're like she's not here for the money like she's here to because she gives a shit because I yeah right because she gives a shit and like and and really trying to understand the other person because it's like one thing that I always try to keep in mind is you know you never know who's going through what at what point in time right and it's like I want to be that person that if someone is having a bad day and like you know I just keep it you know if you're a janitor or a CEO, you get the same, matter. Respect, right? Yeah. I'm always like, thank you very much. And thank you this and this and this, like, I'll never forget this one time. I, I was in my Newbury street office and the receptionist there, she's like, Pam, thank you so much for saying thank you. Because there's so many assholes who come in here and just like, here you go. Here you go. Bye. Yeah. Eh. And it's like, you know, it just, it means a lot to, to be valued. And that's key in yeah. business as an entrepreneur, you're, you need to 
make sure not only are your people feeling valued and everybody that works for you and with you, but everybody in the outside world, like you have a duty, like you're a figure for a reason, you're a business owner for a reason. And it's, you're meant to add value to lives, but just always remember, you know, somebody, that person you see on the street, like you just never know what they're going through just to have have that like piece of kindness Um, because it, 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 plays such a huge role like I can't even tell you but when that lady told me that I was like holy shit like and she was telling me like she's going through some dark stuff in her life and I was like wow yeah but meanwhile she's very happy and smiley on the outside and it's like there's a lot of people like that yeah I mean and I think I think there's going to be more of that unfortunately and there's a ton of it right now right where there's a lot of people who are feeling it and they can't say it in the workplace or there's nobody listening or you know it's 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 amazing to me when I have to echo what you just said about saying like, please, and thank you. And just not being an asshole, like, because that in itself is such a commodity nowadays, because it is a rarity, which is gross on a lot of levels. But, you know, I think it does set you aside and also people of a profit. That's fantastic because, you know, at the end of the day, like we know the people who are profit first and we know that that's, that's only going to get you so far, so far. Literally, you're you're at a very limited state. Yeah, you have a ceiling. It, yeah, you yeah you could maybe pump six figures, right? Yeah. Then what? <laughs> yeah. Because the money's not going to fix it. Neither is the next milestone you hit, right? Because you're not you're not enjoying the journey because you're not paying attention to the people and you're so fixated on the goal that what happens when you hit the goal? Right. Like, what's next? More money. And it happened to me, Michelle, too. Like I was so like the first few years I was so focused on money because really just because of petrified fear of like, how am I going to pay my restaurant employees? How am I going to keep this going? How am I going to pay my bills? There was a point where I racked up all my credit cards and I screwed up and, you know, but this is just from being a little too ambitious from what I was doing. But like, and then when I got myself back in the center of things, like Pam, this is about relationships. It's about adding value. That's when the game changed for me. And like, it's just been, and I'm like, I'm always going to maintain this level of business and never get clouded and never worry about the fear of not having, because yeah. that brings you more of not having, Exactly. Right? You got to get in this mindset of, of abundance and you will continuously succeed. Yeah. Cause I think every time you try to force it, every time you try to, you know, you worry about it, it's just going to move it further away. If you just go with the flow of it and like get in the flow of an abundance mindset, then you're exactly right. It comes right back to you. Like think and grow rich, the book, like we need to all read that book, <laughs> Napoleon Hill. And, you know, we'd be a lot better off. Um, so any other kind of last tidbits of, of advice? I mean, you've given so much and we could go on for hours, but you know, any other kind of last tidbits of advice for, for entrepreneurs listening? Totally. Hustle outbeats talent every day of the week. Yes, it does. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's a huge one. I mean, I want to remind people that I, before I got into real estate, I had zero. And when I say zero real estate experience, like I thought real estate was just realtors. Like I didn't know about development, commercial real estate, like construction, all these million different assets in it, within it. But yeah, seriously, it's, it's unreal. It does. It does. And I don't care what degree you have. No offense. You have amazing ones, but like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what degree or where you went to or whatever that shit is. Like if you're not willing to hustle, then go work for somebody else. Like hustle with heart, I think is really the key there too. Like 
you know, I love the fact that you said that because there's so many people that I just see and I'm like, you don't have the commitment. Like you're not willing to kind of like run as fast as it requires and learn continuously. For sure. And I mean, even with Stonehill, Babson and Harvard, like those were like my scholarship to Stonehill. Like I wasn't a straight A student. I was A's and B's, but what they loved about me was that I was in every single sport, every single organization. Like I was a hustler. They saw that. And so, and my SATs were literally garbage. Like I, it looks like I had a 1.0 GPA because I I have anxiety. And so like when I go into an exam, I just freak out and just like, no matter what type of training I do. And I did all types of SAT training. It didn't matter when I got to that test. I just blanked out. Your sweet spot, your sweet spot is like execution in like real time and learning. Right. So that's why I say like hustle out beats talent every day of the week. Just as long as you're hungry for it, you have a willingness to learn. That is literally all that matters. Yeah. I mean, I started a lot in hiring as well in the corporate and it was like, well, do they have the will or do they have the skill? Like, and I would choose will 90% of the time because then you can, everyone can be taught. Right. Um, all right, friend, tell people where they can find you and tell them about your podcast too, because people need to go listen to that as well. Okay. Absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. Those are probably the top two methods to find me on my website and all that stuff too. But um, basically Pamela underscore Barty, um, B-A-R-D-H-I on Instagram and then LinkedIn as well. Pamela Barty. Um, and then my podcast, which, which Michelle mentioned, which is so awesome. It's um, the underdog podcast. And you could find that on basically iTunes, every single platform you could possibly imagine. And that website is theunderdogshow.com. Definitely check that out. Michelle's episode should be launching soon. So I'm pumped about that. Yeah. And, um, thank you so much for having me. No, I mean, this has been fantastic. And I, I hope that this is the people will listen to this more than once, right? It's one of those episodes that like, you got to listen to it more than once to really let it all sink in because there's such, so much valuable wisdom in this. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you so much for having me. What an amazing story, folks. Am I right? I mean, she's she's just, she's superhuman, number one. I think we've all determined that from listening to her story. But the passion and the drive and the dedication to, you know, give back to her parents for such a an incredible leap of faith that they took you know, is, is bound to inspire anybody who comes within a, within a small radius of her. She's just absolutely incredible. This might be one of those episodes that you may want to go listen to more than once, just so that you get all the different pieces so that, you know, you don't miss a thing. And on next week's episode, I am beyond beyond excited to be welcoming Sean Croxton to the show as my guest. Some of you may have heard me mention Sean's podcast, The Quote of the Day Show. I listen to it every day as part of my morning routine. Sean's got an incredible Money Mind Academy that I've actually also been through, which teaches you a ton. And we are having an amazing conversation on how to you know, unlock your mindset so that you can actually make money. <laughs> in this thing called entrepreneurship. Go figure. So you won't want to miss that episode. And as always, everyone, if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review. And, you know, tell a friend, because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life? See you later. 